Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Anthony Beck, ESPN College Football Analyst and former New York Jet on the Jake Brown Show. In the cold heart of summer, here we go. Ben McAdoo can't do shit. He ain't got it on fancy night. He must be taking it. Oh, wait, that's Eli. That's Eli. Eli can't throw the ball because he ain't got nobody to block for him. Giants are screwed. They can't score no points. And they're all in two. John Mellencamp's on the show right now, but he's not. It's Jake Brown on the Jake Brown Show. We got Anthony Mac coming on later than you know. Yeah, we got a good show and a lot to talk about. Save all your opinions. And welcome to the Jake Brown Show. See you ready to play out of podcast network. You can subscribe on iTunes, rated five stars. Write a review and follow us on Spotify as well. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Jake Brown Radio. And follow our show at Jake Brown Show. we got a lot to get into. Anthony Beck, former New York Jets tight end, coming on later in the show. He's also an ESPN college football analyst. He will talk about the game that he called on Saturday, the shootout, UCLA and Memphis. And we'll talk about Josh Rosen and also... We'll talk NFL and the Bucks, who win their first game in a blowout fashion. He is a former Buck, and he's the Bucks pre- and post-game host. So here from Anthony Becht in the final 25 minutes of the program. And a lot to get into this week, as there always is in sports. NFL Week 2, Ben McAdoo, Ben McAdon't, Ezekiel Elliott kind of just giving up after a pick and just walking to the sideline. All the other nonsense happening in the NFL and also in MLB, we might see tonight a home run record broken. 2000 was the year with the most home runs in baseball history in a season. And tonight that tonight or tomorrow, we guaranteed this week that that will be broken. 5,693 in 2000. We're at 5,677 this year. Also in baseball, first time in 10 years there will likely not be a 20 game i mean it looks like a lock that there will not be a 20 game winning pitcher in the league also the astros have clinched the al west the indians have clinched the al central the nationals have clinched the nl east the dodgers have the nl west pretty much locked up and the nl central still up for grabs between the cardinals cubs and brewers as the cubs still leading but not by much but starting off in baseball, Ben McAdoo, man. The New York Giants are now 0-2 after Monday's shellacking where they lost 24-10 and their offense just couldn't get anything going. The Giants' offense in the last eight games dating back to last season has been nothing short of just inept. It's just been pitiful to watch. 
And now this year mostly, in these first two games, Eli Manning has no more than three seconds to ever throw the football, not before really being a hit, but before he's rushed and he's going to have to get rid of it. In about three seconds, he's rushed and he's going to have to get rid of it. In about five seconds, he's on his ass. And that might be generous. I don't I don't take out the stopwatch. But you can just see that his time to throw is so limited. And I had someone tweeting me today saying, why do we always got to make excuses for Eli? Listen, you give a guy two to three seconds to throw, anyone that's not very mobile, and they will not be able to get rid of the football. We're not talking about Aaron Rodgers here. Look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady has had success throughout his career because he has had so much time to get rid of the football. I mean, just from opening week, even though they lost, you saw times where Brady had about 10 seconds before anyone rushed him. Eventually, a receiver is going to get open when you give him that much time. When you give little to no time, one, it's a rush throw. Two, a receiver doesn't get their full route in order. Three, you can't make the plays that you want to down the field without that happening. And the Giants need reinforcements because Flowers have been bad. This Jones guy that came in had a holding at the one-yard line that cost the Giants what should have been a touchdown. I mean, you would have had second and goal from the one. Instead, they're backed up to the eleven. And they end up having to kick a field goal. Without a great offensive line, the Giants are just going to have a lot of trouble. And I I think they have to trade a first-round pick for a Joe Thomas or someone if they're out there. I know I'm not just saying offensive linemen are available and they're ready here to take our offensive linemen. But if this team doesn't get something, this is going to be one of the most talented teams in the league that can't make the playoffs I'm not writing off the season yet but when you look ahead at what the Giants have coming it's hard for me to just say you know what they're still fine at the Eagles at the Bucks home versus the Chargers and young Hoku has basically 0-2 not the Chargers he has missed two kicks one this week to win it one last week to tie it then they're at the Broncos versus the Seahawks Versus the Rams, which isn't even a lock to win that game. At the 49ers, you hope they win that. Then versus the Chiefs, who are a Super Bowl contender. At the Redskins. At the Raiders. Versus the Cowboys. Versus the Eagles. At the Cardinals. Versus the Redskins. So if you go through the Giants' schedule right now, they're 0-2. You say next week at the Eagles is a toss-up. Let's just say they win it. 1-2. At the Bucks, honestly, I can't see them winning right now. The Bucks defense looks good, and if they're healthy, they're going to be a team to not sleep on this year. That could be one and three. Then you say you beat the Chargers at home two and three. Beating Denver's defense with the time Eli's had on the road might be impossible two and four. Versus Seahawks, hey, Seahawks offense has looked awful these first two weeks. They barely squeaked by the 49ers, and they lost to the Packers. They have not been able to score, but again, their defense is good enough to shut the Giants down. That could be two and five. Rams, you say they win. Three and five. 49ers, you win. Four and five. Chiefs, you lose. Four and six. Redskins, you win. Five and six. At the Raiders, you lose. Five and seven. Versus Cowboys, say you win that. Six and seven. Eagles at home, you win that. Seven and seven. Cardinals on the road, say you win that. Eight and seven. Versus the Redskins at home, say you win that. Nine and seven. That's me giving them nine and seven, meaning they win four of their last five games in the season and means beating teams they should, which we can't say they they will. And nine and seven in the NFC right now 
is probably not good enough to make the playoffs. There's too many good teams in the NFC, especially the NFC South, where you might have the Falcons make the playoffs, you might have the Bucks make the playoffs, and you may even have, the, if Cam Newton could stay on the field, the Panthers make the playoffs. And the North, you could have the Lions make the playoffs, the Packers make the playoffs, and if Sam Bradford could stay on the field, which he did not this week, and the Steelers took advantage of Case Keenum, the Vikings can make the playoffs. And then in the East, we could have the Eagles make the playoffs. We could have the Cowboys make the I mean, the list goes on and on and on in the NFC that every game for the Giants is so crucial. And this is no throwaway year for the New York Giants. They have to make a move to fix this offensive line. They did not do it in the offseason. Now you got to give up the house and do it. You have to trade picks and do it. I don't think they should... I don't think it means parting ways with Odell, with Brandon Marshall, with Shepard, with Ingram. You need those guys. But if you can just trade maybe a first and a second, either this year, next year, or multiple picks, whatever it takes, get reinforcements. Because you don't you don't really think this offensive line is just going to straight up improve as the year goes on. And on top of the bad offensive line... You have Ben McAdoo saying all the wrong things after the game as he basically threw a, quote-unquote, sloppy Eli Manning under the bus. He blamed himself, but then he proceeds to just throw his two-time Super Bowl champion quarterback under the bus. Listen, was Eli great? No. Again, I blame some of it on the protection. Some of it was his fault. He was not great. But I'm not going to blame it all on Eli here. You blame it on the coach and the offensive line as well. He said sloppy quarterback play. Quarterback in the center need to be on the same page. We need to get the ball snapped regarding that delay game, which probably didn't make a much of a difference considering what happened with the Giants there. The Giants had to settle for a field goal, made it 17-10, and they couldn't get any closer. He wasn't bad, 22 with 32, 239 yards including Evan Ingram's first career touchdown, and this kid looks like the real deal. But, I mean, he's forgetting. He, he's saying all these comments on Eli, and then he'll say, put this game on me. So why are you throwing your damn quarterback under the bus? What's that all about? I mean, get your head together. Ben McAdoo. And McAdoo went 11-5. and He took the Giants to the playoffs last year. But in a couple of weeks, if the Giants are winning, he will for sure be on the hot seat. And I am a huge, huge non-believer in head coach being an offensive coordinator. Because in that delay game situation, in that delay game, I got my my head on Jay Bromley's in the building on the Giants. Speaking of, I'm about to have a word with Jay Bromley on Ben McAdoo in a second. He's right here around the corner. We're gonna have a word. Um, I I just think you can't focus on calling plays and being a head coach. Anthony Beck talked about it with John Gruden. That is John Gruden, a legend. This is Ben McAdoo looking like a '70s porn star. It's not a comparison. So I, I just, those kind of situations with a delay of game, he's focusing on calling a play instead of, hey, maybe I could use a timeout and save the five yards. Sure, the Giants should have snapped it. It happens. It's a, it's a mistake. 
But if his head coaching noggin was on and not his offensive coordinator noggin, he'd be in better shape. And McAdoo's trying to run the show and be a head coach, and he's screwing up. And the play calling was bad. In the fourth quarter, he decides to run the football at all is a mistake. With under seven minutes to go, he's running on a first down on a draw for five yards. Tickety-tock-tock, tickety-tock-tock. Look at that clock. go. Oh, that clock goes away, and the Giants run out of time. Probably not going to win anyway, but there has to be a sense of urgency. you got to have a sense of urgency in that spot in the fourth quarter as you're down two touchdowns. And if you don't, you're in trouble. Had to throw my taco hat on. Can't forget that for Facebook Live. Um, Part two of the family taco hat collection. The only way to go. But I'm telling you, with this giant schedule, they need to right this ship, and they need to right the ship quick. If they don't, it's going to be an unfortunate season. I picked this team to win the damn Super Bowl, so I look like a knucklehead right now. Two games, 16 games, but it's not going to fix by itself. Eli's not going to magically get time with uh, a below-average offensive line. You didn't address it, Jerry Reese, in the offseason? Address it now. Cause you can't you can't afford going zero three. You gotta go to Philly and you gotta beat the Eagles and try and right this ship. The Jake Brown Show played at it slash Jake Brown iTunes and Spotify is where you find us. NFL Week Two. Can we get some some music, some NFL films music or something? Uh, ben McAdoo, we talked about before we get into that. Last week we had the new crew. Crew Love, Crew Sports app. Make sure you check them out. Download it. You'll get 5,000 credits upon downloading the app. And you'll get an extra 1,000 by using my code Jake, J-K-E. Just enter Jake in the code label. Free credits after you download it. You'll have 6,000 credits. Go to thecrew.com, K-R-O-O.com. That's Crew Sports. Get the app. Get yourself some free tickets with your sports knowledge right now. Crew Sports Crew Sports has you covered for NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL. So all of you are covered. K-R-O-O, Crew Sports app. Go get it now. NFL Week 2. Let's go around the league here and, and tell you what happened, um, and uh, including Marshawn Lynch dancing and prancing the night away. And uh, we talked about the Monday night game. We talked about Young Ho Poo being in disgrace. Let's start with the 1 o'clock slate. The Chiefs and Eagles was a great back-and-forth affair. The Chiefs pull it away 27-20. They made things interesting in the end there. Wentz had a touchdown to Nelson Aguador. They recover the onside kick. And the Hail Mary to end the game was incomplete. Also in the first half, you missed it. Zach Hurts had a crazy deflection off a cornerback, set up a field goal, but they missed it. After life with the timeout, the rookie kicker, Elliott, second kick, no good. But the Chiefs went 27-20, and the Chiefs are rolling right now. They're 2-0. They're looking good, and the Chiefs are going to be a major player in the AFC. They have a defense. And they got an offense that doesn't make many mistakes to go along with it. Tom Brady was dominant against 
the Saints. 36-25. They were up 30-13 to in the half. That game looked over, and it was over. Gronk should be okay, but he was banged up. A couple other minor Patriots in- injuries. We'll see how exactly those play out. But the Patriots just looked so damn good in that one. The Ravens beat the Browns 24-10. Deshaun Kaiser left the game in the first half with a migraine, ended up coming back. But a couple too many turnovers for the Browns, and the Ravens get by once again. And now the Ravens are off to a nice 2-0 start to the season. The Bucks beat the Bears 29-7, and the Bucks defense dominated. Mike Glennon was throwing picks left and right. Every incompletion he had, it seemed to be a turnover. He was off to a great start, and then he just throwing pick sixes. 29-7, the Bucks crush the Bears in their debut. Remember, their week one game was moved to week 11 against the Dolphins because of Hurricane Irma. Another hurricane, I believe, Maria Maria. She reminds me of a West Side story. Uh, my God, these hurricanes are Mother Nature is just being absolute B-I-T-C-H right now. You feel for the people in the southeast part of the country. Um, we're here in New York, and we haven't got hit. But, man, I can't imagine having to go through one hurricane, but a second hurricane on the way. So thoughts and prayers with everyone down there. Hope everyone gets through this one. Seems like people power through Irma pretty well. But, again, a lot of houses and and property destroyed. And hopefully this one, which I think I've said at Category 5 now, they're saying. Uh, it's just scary. Uh, speaking of Category 5, the Titans put a Category 5 beatdown on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if you did not bet on that game, you're dumb. The spread was minus one. That was easy money. The Titans and Jaguars in the first half, it was 6-3 Titans. It was ugly, but it was all Titans the rest of the way as they dominate the second half and run all over the Jaguars. And Derrick Henry, man, could be a good fantasy play. This is the year he might get more and more carries. And he's on my bench in one of my leagues. I might start starting him because in the red zone, he is a force. He's a big felly. Remember him at Alabama? And this guy could run right up the middle. So I'd say pick up uh, pick up Derrick Henry when you can because he is leading the way alongside DeMarco Murray in that backfield. The Titans are now 1-1 one one after they beat the Jaguars. The Panthers beat the Bills 9-3. And, man, the Bills had all the chance in the world to win that game in the end. Zay Jones drops it on 4th and 11 with 10 seconds left at the Panthers' 2-3 or yard line. They had a timeout. If they get that, they have first and goal from the two with about eight seconds left. But Zay, Zay don't know. Zay do not know how to win the game. The Panthers squeeze by 9-3. And now the Panthers are off to a 2-0 start. And the Panthers have held their first two opponents to just three points. They've given up six points all year. Cam Newton was left that game, came back in. And he'll be sore this week, but it looks like he'll be good to go. But, again, that's going to be a story with the Panthers all year. Can Cam Newton remain in the field for all 16 games? If he does, the Panthers have a shot to make the playoffs. Christian McCaffrey hasn't been all world yet. I still think it's going to be coming soon. He's had his fair share of running back and receiver, but he hasn't had any kind of play that's really been a top 10 just yet. But I think it's coming. The Cardinals beat the Colts 16-13 in overtime. And, man, that was interesting. 
ended up getting me a uh, a 14 parlay victory thanks to that Cardinals win. Um, but the the Cardinals, my God, they were terrible. They should have lost this game. Then they have a chance to win it. The kicker gets iced, and the kicker is 42-year-old Phil Dawson. Our fantasy league name is Phil Dawson's Creek. How about that for a pun? And Dawson missed it. But in overtime, Brissett throws a pick on the first play. Boom, roasted, sets up a Dawson field goal, and they win it. 16-13 overtime. The Cardinals now 1-1. They lost week one and week two. They looked ugly, but they find a way to scratch one out. And the Cardinals are going to have to do a lot of that because Carson Palmer looks like he should be retired yesterday, like he should be gone. And I think this is going to be the end of the road for Carson Palmer after this year. He's made some questionable decision, decisions on some throws the first two weeks. He's becoming good friends with J.J. Nelson. He's got J.J. Nelson. He's got Larry Fitzgerald. There's no question that he's got the targets. Carson's got to deliver, man. He's got to deliver. But the Cardinals lucky to win that one in Indianapolis. And it's going to be a long year for the Colts. Andrew Luck already ruled out for week three. Ah, we don't know if Andrew Luck's going to play at all this year. This is going to be a Colts team that's probably going to be a top five draft pick. And Emory Hunt was right about it. I think Randy Cross said it too. The Colts aren't going to be very good this year. And Andrew Luck's thinking, hey, I don't want to play. We suck. Why am I going to play? So he's just going to keep resting after that shoulder surgery. And you can't blame him. Who knows if he's actually ready if they needed him and say they won and they were one and one and they're thinking to themselves, hey, if we get luck back, we could be maybe a playoff team in this AFC South that's up for grabs. But I think Luck's going to take his sweet old time coming back if he does this year. Maybe in a couple weeks we'll see him. The Steelers beat the Vikings 26-9 and the Vikings offense is pretty inept. And the big reason for that is Mr. Keenum, Case Keenum. You can't win with Case Keenum behind center. The Steelers had that game easily. And they ran all over the Minnesota Vikings, 26-9. And they need Sam Bradford back, and they need him immediately. Who would have thought you would have said that? But really, Sam Bradford looked amazing in week one. Again, it was against the Saints, but still, he looked really good. And if they have Sam Bradford on the field, this Vikings team could make the playoffs because their defense is usually good enough. Not this time around. Steelers win that one. Dolphins beat the Chargers 19-17. The young ho himself, Mr. Koo, former Mets pitcher. No, kicker for the San Diego Los Angeles, excuse me, Chargers. Misses again. And week two, he misses the kick to win the game as the Dolphins win 19-17. The week after, he missed a kick to tie the game last week. Last week, they iced him, made the first, timeout, didn't count, missed the second. This week, made the first, iced him, timeout, missed the second. So young ho Koo. Third time's the charm. Ice him again next week. I dare you. Maybe he'll make it this time. He probably won't. Young Hoku is about to get cut any second because he is missing clutch kicks. And the Chargers go from potentially could be 2-0 to 0-2. It's going to be a long year for them. And my God, what is going on with the damn L.A. fans? Just not showing up to a 27,000-seat stadium. Give me a break. It's embarrassing. It's ridiculous that you can't sell out your first freaking home game for a new team in town. And you're playing the Dolphins. It's not like you're playing the Browns. That's a decent game. Fans got to show up, man. That is embarrassing that they cannot sell that out. Another team that couldn't sell out is the other team in L.A. The Redskins beat the Rams 27-20. Good. Beat their ass because it looks like there's 12 people in the stadium. 
You see the day before USC, the fans are packing that building. Sam Darnold leads them to an overtime victory or double overtime, whatever it was. The next day, people just do not show up. And listen, I don't think the Rams are going to be as good as some people think they will be. I think they're going to have six wins or less. But for God's sakes, when you show up to the damn game, I mean, people, fans in L.A. are embarrassing yourselves with not only the Rams, but the Chargers. They're both not playoff teams, but they both deserve 30,000. Is that a lot to ask for? That's less than half of MetLife Stadium. More Jets fans are going to show up than 30,000 on Sunday. I might, I'm still undecided on that. Undecided on that. Free tailgate, free ticket. But is it worth the commute to go to see the Jets and the Dolphins? And then if they win, you're kind of mad because you want the pick. But if they win, you're also like, cool, we won a game. It's such a crapshoot for the Jets. And that's why I'm, I'm on the fence of going. This the tailgate I might go for. But I like, I like red zone. I like watching at home. I like having red zone on, watching my teams. It's not as fun when you're at the game when it's a bad team. When the Jets are good, I mean, there's nothing better than a football game. But if I'm going to go just for the tailgate, why don't I just tailgate at Rocky McBride's at the bar with free buffet and just have a free buffet and $10 pitchers? Why don't I just do that? I'm going to pay the same price to commute there or whatever, take the train. So why not go to the bar and watch it? Speaking of the Jets, the Raiders just cruised on by the Jets 45-20. Marshawn Lynch was dancing his way into the sidelines as the game was over. The Raiders beat the Jets 45-20. The Raiders are 2-0. The Jets are 0-2. And you're surprised the Jets even scored 20 points. But the Raiders just ran all over them. Marshawn Lynch, Carr, Crabtree was incredible. And an easy win for the Raiders, who were on their way to potentially the AFC Championship this year. They could say, oh, this team is too good. The Seahawks are lucky to be standing at 1-1 one one as they barely, this is my survivor pick, barely squeezed by the Niners. 12-9, to nine, they're sloppy, the offense has been brutal, they're having trouble scoring, and the Seahawks better start scoring quick because there's only two games versus the 49ers, not at all limited. I'm telling you, against the Titans on the road will not be an easy win for them next week. Luckily for them after that, they'll get the Colts and the Rams. But they are very lucky that their schedule is not that bad and they're getting six games versus the rest of the division. Two against the Cardinals looks a lot easier now than it was because Carson Palmer just looked old and they have struggled. This quickly became NFL films to funky like John Travolta's on the scene. Um, I'm telling you, Seahawks better ride the ship quick. They should be fine because they always find a way and they still have a good defense, but... Man, if they could barely get by the 49ers, they are in deep doo-doo. The Broncos beat the Cowboys 42-17, and Jason Garrett throwing blame on Dak Prescott. The final was 42-17. A lot of blame being thrown around as well to Ezekiel Elliott. Loafing on the interception. Someone tweeted he's decided to accept the suspension from Cowboys. Effective immediately after this interception. They picked the ball, and Zeke was about five yards away from the play and literally just stopped. Just wa- started walking on the sidelines, hands, hands on his hips. Meanwhile, this is one of the fastest guys in the team. He should be over there trying to tackle that defender in a heartbeat. But that's what you get in Zeke. You get a troublemaker. He's lazy. He's talented. 
but there's a personality there that a lot of teams said, you know what, we're going to pass on Zeke. The Cowboys aren't about passing on personalities because they'll take whatever personality is. They'll take a criminal. They'll take anyone. A guy could just have murdered someone, but if they can play in the NFL, Jerry Jones will sign you up to play football. And the Cowboys, if Trevor Simeon keeps playing like this, the, excuse me, the Broncos, if Trevor Simeon keeps playing like this, the Broncos are an unbelievable contender to potentially win a Super Bowl. Their defense is great, and the only question mark they really had is can they produce offensively? Trevor Simeon seems like he has taken a big leap at quarterback for the Broncos. And if he does so, watch out for Denver. Do not sleep on the Broncos because this is a major contender. Everyone's issue was I don't think Trevor Simeon's ready to be the star of the show. He's looked pretty damn good these first couple of weeks. And when you have Demarius Thomas, you have Emmanuel Sanders, you have these guys around you, including a rejuvenated. Might have made that up. I still don't know if rejuvenate is a word. But having Jamal Charles... In that backfield, healthy. That is a low-risk, high-reward signing for the Denver Broncos. And one that the Saints hoped for, but they didn't get it yet in Adrian Peterson because, you know, he also hasn't had the carries. But the Denver Broncos are getting a low-risk, high-reward in getting Jamal Charles, and I love it. The Broncos are now 2-0. The Cowboys fall to 1-1, and the Giants are lucky that their three other teams are 1-1. In the division. Sunday night football, the Falcons beat the Packers 34-23. And the Falcons are hitting on all strides now. They should have lost week one, a couple of drops by the Bears. But they win it and lucky to win that. And they go out and beat the Packers at home in their brand new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And now they are 2-0. The Packers offense just cannot get rolling. And the time they did towards the end of the game, it was too little, too late. The Falcons ran it out. And Matt Ryan, man, looking good. Looking good. The Falcons 2-0 right where they left off. No 28-3 Super Bowl hangover. And if you were watching that game thinking the game was not over, we're all right there with you because everyone's watching that game thinking the Packers are going to come back. They make it 34-23. You're like, oh, my goodness. Here they come. 28-3 almost came 31-7. And I know people were thinking, you know, this thing is not over just yet. But they sealed the deal in the 2-0. Congrats. Oh, here's the best one of them all right here. As I'm ending. Of course, the best one. Perfect perfect timing there. But, and we also didn't, didn't throw out there the Texans beat the Bengals. Congrats to Deshaun Watson, my man, on his first NFL win. And if he plays mistake-free and could just lead that team down the field a couple of drives a game, their defense is good enough for the Texans to win that division. I think the Texans will win that division. And Watson should have been starting week one the first snap. But they did it better late than never. Better late than ever. And uh, the Texans pick up their first win. Mentioned it before. How can you not like Marshawn Lynch? As a football fan, as a human being, he is so damn entertaining. You can understand the Jets side of the story, not being happy with him dancing on the sidelines. But you put him on the Jumbotron. You're playing music that he liked in his home in Oakland, in their debut home opener, second game of the year, but their home opener, dominating. Let them have some fun. If they weren't on the Jumbotron, 
I don't know if it would have been as big a deal, but because it was, you have Jets players looking up at the scoreboard and seeing this guy clowning around. But he is so entertaining. Guy takes a year off. He comes back. He comes to his hometown team in Oakland. He's dancing on the sideline versus the Jets. Before the season, he goes on NFL Network and he's cursing and then hitting on the female reporter, the host on NFL Network, basically asking her out. I mean, it's just so entertaining. The same guy who loves Skittles, who was passing out Skittles, riding on a bike in the middle of Scotland in the offseason. The guy we call Beast Mode. The same one with hilarious segments on Conan O'Brien playing video games alongside Gronk. The same guy that we call Beast Mode. The same guy that doesn't like talking to the media, but when he does, it's ridiculous. If you're a reporter trying to get a quote, maybe sure you don't like him. But if you're a fan of football and guys having fun and entertainment, there is nothing not to like about Marshawn Lynch. He's hilarious. He's still got it. He's still running. He's still been good. He ran for a touchdown against the Jets. And the Jets season is over before it started. So the Jets might not like it, but it's great. Let's see, it was an incredible on Sunday. 12 rushes, 45 yards, and the touchdown. The opener, 18 for 76, and a 16-yard reception as well. So he hasn't been all worldly, but he's been done enough for the Raiders to have two double-digit victories to open the season. And he's done it, and he's been very entertaining. And I love Marshawn Lynch. Someone tweeted they didn't like him. I like him. He's must-watch TV And I don't care that he danced against my favorite team because it's hilarious. And if I was in the stadium, I would have been so hyped. They play music and they show a guy in the field dancing. How often do you see that where one of your best players is on the sideline dancing to music that you're usually dancing to? I mean, it's just remarkable. And it was must watch. So shout out to Marshawn Lynch for doing the damn thing. And before we go... Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. Let's get ready to fire that up because he was on first take yesterday in quite the interview as Stephen A. and Max Kellerman were roasting him. First off, as Pat behind the boards fires it up, his reaction to not informing LeBron James about his decision uh, to request a trade. Did you speak to LeBron James or talk to LeBron James before you before you? and your representatives met with ownership and let them know that you wanted out? No. Why not? Why would I have to? If you don't speak to somebody about it, they might take it personally. Yeah. Do you care about that at all? No. I love that quote, man. He basically said, I don't care about LeBron. And he continues to say it's about a whole team and not one player. And if you're on your in your right mind, if you have a brain on your head, Kyrie Irving is not the biggest LeBron James fan. Kyrie wants to be a star, and he wants to make these $40 million that every other star is making, like James Harden, like Steph Curry, like LeBron. He wants to chase those bigger bucks than he's already making that he probably will deserve in a role in Boston till 2020. That's when he'll probably get a huge deal. Right now he's still making over $20 million a year. But soon enough, 
Kyrie was going to be making more than that. And Max Kellerman wanted to continue roasting him, Pat, on the issue of LeBron, 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 LeBron. And I think that Kyrie has had about enough of LeBron. To be about one guy, because if you're playing on the Chicago Bulls, it was about Michael Jordan. You're playing on the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. It's going to be about the relationship with the second best player on the team to LeBron James. Am I wrong in that assessment? I just think that you just care entirely <laughs> too much. Like it's just, I get it. You, I get it. Ask the questions. Relationship. Here it is. Here it is. But like you keep forgetting them. Like basketball is a team sport. I'm around different players all the time. I understand it's one, two, two, one, however you want to slice it in terms of there is no personal issue. There is no, like, let me figure out what's going on. Let's dive in and maybe we're missing something here. I made the decision as a man. And as a man over there, Max Kellerman, just respect it and leave it alone. I mean, <laughs> Max Kellerman, just, that's what we call boom, roasted. He just kicked Max Kellerman right in the balls. His nuts are still recovering from that kicking of the balls that just happened. Why do you care so much? Listen, this is ESPN. It is LeBron's network, essentially. LeBron is the face of basketball. It is fair for these guys to continue to ask LeBron questions because it is LeBron's team. It is LeBron City. It is King James show. But Kyrie's just like, I've had a about as much as I could take talking about freaking LeBron. I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm 40. Remember that? Remember that uh, Coach Gundy or whatever his name is? It is amazing how he responded to that. And you you can't blame him for just saying, getting pissed off. He's like, Max Kellerman, leave me alone and go call a boxing match. That's essentially what he said. Stephen A., Stephen A. also in the studio with him. It's different. And Stephen A., you know, he's close with a lot of these guys. Max, not so much. Max on the other side of the country. He was in L.A. doing it over the over FaceTime or whatever. And Kyrie's fed up. And you cannot blame him. Kyrie Irving is a star who is now going to get his place to shine with the Celtics. Sure, they have Gordon Hayward and Al Horford. But neither of those guys are LeBron James. Those will be the star role players that allow Kyrie to get to that next level. And I love those quotes. And there's a reason it had like 20,000 retweets on the first take Twitter, that video. And he said, you know what? I'm going to Boston. I'm going to run the ship. And it's going to be a party. Forget about LeBron. Did he have to inform LeBron that he's requesting a trade? I don't think so. I'm with him on that. I think he's a man. He does what he wants. I don't think you have to tell your star player, hey, buddy, I, I want to go. Like, I, I don't I, – this is business. It's basketball. If he wants to get traded, let him get traded. The problem is, in our mindsets now, we have this idea that LeBron, everything has to go through him. The coach, the GM, every player addition, everything. In what other team do we even see that happen? In what other situation do we see a guy who you... Let's ask him first. Let's ask him. For the Yankees, you did not have that with Derek Jeter. With the Packers, you don't have that with Aaron Rodgers. 
with the Warriors, I don't think they asked Steph Curry, hey, can we sign this guy? Is it okay with you? But with the Cavs, they're the one team where it's like, hey, LeBron, is it okay with you if we add this guy? And that's one of the rare times in sports where you're catering to a guy. Everything being served on a silver platter, you can understand the frustration. And Kyrie was fed up with it. And he's fed up with your question, Max Kellerman. So, kudos. You know, it was a little bit of a power trip. But it was entertaining. So Kyrie's in Boston, and Kyrie does not like LeBron, and he's happy to be free. And, hey, I'm glad for him. We'll see how he does in Boston. It's going to be an interesting season. Watch the Cavs and the Celtics go at it. And it's coming up, I think. Isn't it? The, it's one of the first matchups of the season in October. I think it might be opening night. Uh, so that is going to be must watch. This is the Jake Brown Show. Coming up next in the second half of the program, former Jets tight end ESPN college football analyst, Bucks pre and post game, Anthony Beck will join the program. And we'll talk about his, the Anthony products if you want to shave your face and look smooth. Not like me. But if you want to look good. Looking good like that. Looking smooth. This thing is scruffy. There's patches. There's patches of hula. But if you want to hear expertise from Anthony Beck on Josh Rosen and watching him play and calling that game against Memphis where Memphis defeated number 25 UCLA, you'll hear that next. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Jake Brown Show signing out. Peace. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And welcome back to the second half of the Jake Brown Show this week. CBS Radio's Played Out It Podcast Network, iTunes, and Spotify, where you find us. Friend of the program now joining us, Anthony Beck, former Jets tight end, 12-year NFL vet, and he is the ESPN College Football Analyst. You probably heard him on what was one of the games of the week, a shootout that I was watching, um, potentially for gambling reasons, might have put a few shekels on the game, uh, and let's just say I lost, considering that UCLA did lose the game. Uh, the West, the excuse me, UCLA Memphis game, and Memphis wins at home in a forty-eight forty-five shootout. The man on the call was Anthony Beck, and he joins us now. Man, uh, you had quite the Saturday in Memphis, Tennessee, huh? Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, what what a matchup. Uh, I think, you know, just looking at that line before the game, if you're obviously a gambler man like you are, uh, you would have thought that that might have been a misprint. But, you know, as you watch the film throughout the week and you start to see what Memphis does, I was fully expecting a good game and uh, definitely got uh, the fans got what they paid for, that's for sure. Yeah, it was like minus two and a half and then. It became 48-45. UCLA's got the ball and then a, and a penalty, which um, I believe you you were basically saying, and I agreed with you, that that offensive pass interference could have saved them the game because that was an easy interception if it was caught. 
and unfortunately, the, Rosen did not do much else after that. What do you think of Rosen? Do you think he is the number? I mean, is it too early to tell? But do you think he is the number one pick ahead of Darnold? Do you think it's one and one A? Uh, what's your outlook on Rosen? Yeah, you know, I think uh, it's one and one A. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I were to, you know, I think they have different traits that are really important. Uh, you know, Josh obviously runs an offense that is a, a featured NFL style offense. His coordinator is for, is a former offensive coordinator uh, for the Vikings, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he was with Harbaugh, Michigan, and Jed Fish. So uh, he's running stuff that he's going to, you know, at least try and learn or, or anticipate that he would see in the league. So that, that's key, number one. Uh, the one thing Darnold has that I think is, is also a big key, regardless of you know, what you're doing on the field is he has that innate, innate trait to just shake things off and not let it bother him. Uh, he could throw four picks in the next series. Like he literally is dialed in ready to drive the team down the field. So I'm not in love with his tech technique as a quarterback, as a thrower. Now, not that I'm a great judge of that or anything. It's just visually there's something that's a little off about it, but he does, he does have that big factor as far as, you know, he, he can go in there in the, in the clutch moments and make those plays. And, you know, Rosen's a little more refined as far as pocket presence, poise, uh, seeing things. Although, then you scratch your head uh, when he had those two interceptions uh, on why he would throw a ball back against the grain if he's such a smart guy. And then also having a plan when the blitz is in your face. Uh, again, you don't know if the receiver's not on the same page or what, but something happened there. And, it wasn't clean, but throwing the ball against the grain, not a smart decision. But, again, they are leaning heavily on him. And at least USC has some type of a running game, whereas UCLA is, is trying to find that. Yeah, I mean, he made a couple inexcusable throws for sure. And he definitely looked gassed, as you probably should in the heat of Memphis, and it's 48-45. Um, in the end, he just looked out of gas in that fourth quarter after that offensive pass interference. Um, if you're the, if you're your former squad here, the New York Jets with the number one pick, do, I mean, you said it's probably one and one A, but is there one guy uh, you go with for the first pick? Well, you know, I think mentals are always important when you're talking about playing in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Josh Rosen is a very intellectual guy. You know, he kind of uh, almost too smart for his own good. One, that kind of personality kind of rubs off on you. You know, if I were to say a guy that had, would have the mentals, a, a guy like Darnold, to me, would seem like he could handle it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know, it's a tough choice. I mean, you know, I think I want to see more. I want to see how this season plays out. I still think UCLA's got a chance to be a good team. Maybe they could be the best of all of them. Uh, USC is obviously, uh, you know, a couple big wins early on, but they still got to play each other. And those head-to-head matchups and the way the team finishes will we'll speak a lot about how these quarterbacks will fall. But, you know, I think right now, you know, it's 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 too close to call as far as mm-hmm. you know who's the better guy because I think they both have a really positive, strong parts of the game. So I think right now, if you're a Jet fan, or if you think that's gonna, you're going to be getting number one pick, which may happen, uh, I, I think there's more information needed on both of these guys. And I am fortunately am a Jets fan, having to deal with everything going on. You will be, you said you'll be on the pre and post game show, right, with uh, Lagreca on ESPN Radio. On, I will. on Sunday, and now the Jets take on the Dolphins, the home opener, as I still try and make a decision whether to go or not. It's, the, the offer is free on the table, but is it worth seeing a potential 1-15, 2-14 Jets team? Uh, more for the tailgate. So 
if, if you're there, Anthony, I mean, I don't know if you guys are allowed to bruise on air, but we might have to bring a couple of beers over to you. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing, nothing wrong with tailgating. I mean, I don't get to do much of that. That's definitely something at some point I like to do, but uh, I can't imagine that not being fun. So for sure, you got to at least do that. All right. So we'll the tailgate. Maybe bring a brew to you, maybe a hot dog, a couple wings. Um, <laughs> Put a koozie on it. We'll be good <laughs> whatever they got. Uh, and also, Anthony is the face of, how about this, Anthony Brand. How about this? It's Anthony.com. I mean, them getting that URL to me is amazing. I can't get JakeBrown.com. Uh, imagine getting <laughs> Jake.com, Anthony.com. Uh, you are offering GameFace as the promo code for listeners for 20% instant savings. Tell us about Anthony, Anthony. Yeah, you know, you're right. I Unfortunately, I could not get the URL, so I guess the best next thing was to be a part of a partnership with them. But uh, joining forces with them, they're a, they're a premium men's shaving and skincare product line. Uh, they've been out for uh, over 15 years now out in New York City. And uh, they're just they're really a premium line for the average guy. I think that's the biggest thing, whether you have a beard, shaving, uh, beard maintenance, or you like the clean cut shave, or you're just looking for the maintenance in your skin as far as, you know, taking care of yourself. I mean, obviously I'm on TV now and a lot of those things are important to, to, to stay on top of. And they got a lot of go-to products and I would definitely say, check it out. Anthony.com skim through, read some of their blogs. Uh, again, they are premium products and they all give a great detailed description uh, on what exactly the use is for, which is really good. So you save 20% off, like you said, using the, the hashtag GameFace. So that's my gift to your listeners. And, uh, you know, you look like you might need a clean, you take a, you know, a, need a clean shave once in a while, some, that, that upper area of the, of the head there. So <laughs> if that's the case, we, we got something lined up for you for sure. Yeah, I, I might need a little kit for my fat bald head and my, my, uh, my beard that just won't grow properly. I might just have, see if I if I do the clean face look, then I'm I'm literally Mr. Clean. I'm like that commercial, and then I'm gonna have to sponsor with them and get MrClean.com. Well, you rolling. never know, man. You gotta hit them up. <laughs> um, no shame in asking, that's for sure. I know. I mean, without the beard, you, you cut a good ten years off life, and I look like twenty one uh, with that baby face. So definitely check out Anthony.com. Anthony Beck on the line. Anthony underscore Beck on Twitter. Shifting to the NFL here, the Bucks. you do some of the pre- and post-game stuff there. Jameis yeah. Winston and that defense looked really good against a Bears team that, I mean, is going to be in the top five probably in draft picks until they maybe shifted over to Trubinsky. Uh, first off, Trubinsky, shouldn't he be on the field now? I know you paid Mike Lennon, but why not see what you have in Trubinsky considering this team is not going to win more than five or six games? Well, initially I would say no, I wouldn't put him out there because I think he can learn a lot from Mike Glennon. But the problem is is now Mike Glennon's lost his one and two receiver. Mm-hmm. He's lost his best offensive lineman, and it's kind of makeshift right now as far as the weapons that he has around him. And the one saving grace sometimes for a bad offensive line is a quarterback that has a little bit of mobility. That's something Mike Glennon lacks and might actually speed the process up of getting Trubisky on the field just because what we saw in the preseason – you know, Trubisky's got a, a pretty good movement skill or element that I didn't really think he, you know, was as good as maybe he was. You know, seeing a couple of times at North Carolina, but when you saw him in the preseason, they moved him quite a bit in the pocket. So I'd say he might play sooner than later uh, this year, especially the fact that they got so many guys banged up. And, you know, they'll probably, you'll probably give it four games. You always get that first quarter of the season, see how four games go. And 
Uh, if it doesn't seem like it's getting any better and Mike begins to start taking those sacks and getting beat in the pocket, I mean, he is a pure pocket guy. He'll, he'll stand in there and wait for these guys to get open, but unfortunately they don't have guys that can get open because they're playing their you know, three and four guys right now, asking them to be one and two, which is virtually impossible in the league with some of the greatest players in the world. So uh, I, I would not put it past them for putting him in early this season. Yeah, and the Bears are in a weird spot because they just gave Glennon so much money and then they went out and drafted they traded up to get Trubinsky, so they're in a strange situation, but you're right. Well, Trub- if you put their salaries together, Jake, be quite honest with you, they're still getting a discount. So, yeah. you know, it is a lot of money in the world of us looking at it, but in the, in the world of the quarterbacks, it's not, a, it's not a tall price to pay, especially when the salary cap's almost $170 million. Especially when Matt Stafford's getting $27 million a year and hasn't won <laughs> a playoff game. I mean, I love Stafford. I think he's great. But, I mean, everyone is – if you're a free agent right now, it is, it's the most wonderful time They're of the year. They're hard to find, man. You look at college, it's tough. I, I play yeah. games every week, man. You're, everybody wants to talk this crew up. I don't know if they're all worthy of the top ten pick, these guys, but they're going to get overdrafted because you just can't find those quarterbacks that can – and come in and do that style with all this spread that you see. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Darnold and Rosen uh, and even Lamar Jackson are, are going to get a lot of money uh, coming up in the draft. Lamar Jackson, in my mind, uh, is kind of like a Michael Vick Jr. He throws, I mean, a similar way. I mean, he's a righty, of course, but he throws a line drive. He could run with the best of them. Uh, do you do you see that comparison at all? A little bit. You know, Vick is a little more thicker as far as a guy that can protect himself. You know, Lamar is such a a frail guy, mm-hmm. uh, he can help himself uh, with that as far as, you know, understanding when to run out of bounds, not to take the hits, be a smart runner. He shows a lot of that in college, but if he gets secured in the pocket and he has to get taken down, man, you know, he, that, that's a dangerous situation, you know. But, uh, again, a skill set that probably doesn't catch fire in the NFL too much. Uh, it was given a chance for a couple guys, but, you know, with uh, RG3 getting the injury he plagued that he got, and then obviously Kaepernick's kind of worn his his welcome in the league now. So uh, there's there's a spot for him somewhere. I don't know if it's QB, but I'm sure he'll get that initial opportunity. All right, sticking with quarterbacks, you mentioned Kaepernick. Is this guy getting signed ever? I mean, that's a $64,000 question. Or are we just going to see him in the news for not getting signed for the next year? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, listen, you know, his skill set works for like, uh, you know, two or three teams. I mean, unless they need a quarterback, what do they want him for? Uh, you know, he didn't show me anything as if he was interested in being a quarterback the last season and a half, and his play didn't really warrant it. So you're not going to bring a guy into a backup role that does something completely different than what your starting quarterback does around the league. Um, you know, I. And to me, this is something, a topic that's only spoken with in the media's terms. There's nobody sitting in a locker room right now, I can guarantee you this, from player standpoint, that are actually having this conversation and wondering why he's not on the team. Mm-hmm. The only reason why we talk about it is because his name's brought up uh, in the media and, and asked questions, and you know, guys don't care. And that's just the hard truth. So, you know, for Kaepernick, if he gets back, I, I wish him the best. If he does and he gets that opportunity and there's, you know, one of those teams, whether it be maybe a Seattle, you know, something happens to Russell Wilson, which, you know, I mean, these things rarely do happen. I mean, those style quarterbacks, but Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, you know, went down. He wasn't available. They went with Bradford because that was what was there. And now he's actually been a solid pickup. You know, Marcus Mariota may get hurt. That's another team. Or the Bills, that's another team. But you're not going to bring a backup in that does the same thing as those guys to back them up. You usually have a a guy that can just run an offense 
and be somewhat of a passer as a backup to those guys. You only use those guys if they're out and you need that guy. So, you know, when those short-term injuries happen, they're not going to bring a Kaepernick in to fill in that void. It's just not worth it. But, you know, a guy gets knocked out for the year. Russell Wilson gets hurt tomorrow and he's out for the season. That's worth a call. There's no question about it. Jameis Winston is, I mean, we expect him to really take a leap this year for the Bucks and uh, Absolutely. and maybe lead this team to the playoffs. I mean, they looked great in their Week 2 win, obviously Week 1 uh, postponed because of the hurricane. What, what do you expect to see from Winston? Do you see him? Some people have him in their top 10 quarterbacks in the league already. Do you expect him to kind of take that next level and uh, take this team probably to the playoffs this year? I do. You know, I have high expectations for him, and he puts the work in, and he goes about his business as if he wants to be that guy moving up quickly, and that's good for the organization. It's good for him. But he's got to go out there and prove it, too. And, uh, you know, this game, I thought he played clean. No turnovers. Uh, when you get your defensive performance the way you did it, it makes it easier for you to be successful. He's got way too many weapons right now not to be successful on Sundays. And I think he's got a very good line, who I thought protected him very well in this football game. So, uh, you know, for him to take those leaps and bounds uh, this season, I would definitely I put those I put that on his back and on his shoulders because, you know, he's one of those quarterbacks that's very rare that can do those things. And there's only a couple of those young players in there now. And, you know, this is a playoff team on paper. There's no question about it. It's just a matter of how far they can get and how better he can get with distributing the ball to all of his weapons. So it'll be an interesting story. But, uh, again, they got to continue to do it. First step, you know, winning a game at home early in the season. They hadn't they've been one in three in the last three years starting the season. So it's definitely a good start for them. And you can definitely see a turnover. But they definitely have the pieces. Not only to get to the playoffs, but make a move. Listen, they're playing the Bears, and it's it's not like a huge win, but their defense was dominant. Do you think that we're sleeping a bit on the Bucks' defense this year? I think the you know the question mark. I think for me, I feel good about them when they're, when they're one hundred percent healthy. You know, we start getting guys banged up, especially in the secondary. There's room for there's room for at least worrying about it. But you know, you sign T.J. Ward, uh, and now you have him in the mix with Conte and Tandy, who have been now the guys that have been playing that position in the back end. And you drafted a Justin Evans. You got to feel good a little bit about your depth, you know, if you stay healthy. So, uh, you know, this defense, I think, to me is, is, you know, their front four and their and their pass rush skills and their linebackers are as good as there is as far as their first unit. So, again, can they put it all together on the back end too? That'll be the big question mark week in and week out. But as far as the start, uh, I'd say they answered a lot of questions at least for one game. But, you know, listen, people say the Bears are bad. Yeah, well, you know, they do have some missing pieces, but. They basically, to me, when I watch the film, they beat Atlanta. You know, they they dropped three balls mm-hmm. in that final drive to be, to take you know, the lead over Atlanta. Now, Atlanta may have scored after that. Who knows? But they did enough to win that game, or at least Mike Glennon did. So, the one thing in the NFL, man, you know, I tell fans this all the time: you can never correlate one week's performance to the next. It is such a a week of prep and things go on, and then the game. Nothing really stays the same as far as the way teams play the momentum it's just a different game and there's a small window uh, or at least a small fraction of differences between a lot of the good teams and the teams we consider quote-unquote bad i mean i i listen to some of these pundits say oh you know uh the raiders aren't that good they played the jets and the titans i said well you know going to the titans playing the titans that's a tough game i mean titans may not be a perennial uh, playoff team but they're tough and that's a big win uh, on the road going there. So, 
you know, again, anybody can win any 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 week, and I think that's the biggest thing fans have to keep in mind. I mean, we all think the Jets are bad, but if they come out, they they get some turnovers on defense, and they don't turn it over on offense, I guarantee they're going to be in the game in the fourth quarter. That's just statistically, that's just how it works. But again, if you turn the ball over and you don't play good defense, then you're probably going to lose, and then that's what you're seeing right now. Yeah, and unfortunately, the Jets playing any sort of uh, decent offenses looks very uh, minute. Um, and uh, Christian Hackenberg not even being active on Sunday. The guy who's supposed to be the quote unquote maybe quarterback of the future not even being active, and Bryce Petty getting the spot over him. Uh, I mean, you'll you'll be there Sunday. I mean, this. I mean, don't. I mean, I, I can't even speak about the Jets. It's so bad, Anthony. I mean, does this team? I can feel your pain. I can feel your pain. You know, listen. I mean, this. You got to kind of look at this thing from different angles. I mean, uh, you know, the expectation levels can't be that high because they're just not talented enough yeah. to compete with at least 15 of the teams in the NFL. But outside of that, you know, you got to find ways to, to get better in certain areas. And, you know, you got to have at least your good players play well. And when they're not, that's where you have the issues. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to take time. I can't imagine, you know, this thing turning it over in one year unless they just completely got this thing planned out where there's going to be a particular amount of free agents and draft picks that they feel they're going to be able to get change it but uh, it will take some time and unfortunately with the time good players that are on the team aren't getting any younger mm-hmm. so you have to you know kind of divvy all those things out and try to balance that so it's not it's not an easy job for, for for a gm and a head coach especially when the fan bases and mostly the fan bases don't want to take two three years to build a build a, a good team yeah and there's in such a weird spot because they want to see what they maybe have in petty and hackenberg but both are trash, both of them in garbage, and you want to get the first pick and get a quarterback next year, which means Petty and Hackenberg could just say bye-bye because they're not going to see any time. So it seems like McCown, there's a chance that he plays, if he stays healthy, plays almost the whole year at this point, and, and they just ride out with him until they pick a quarterback next year. Yeah, they could. I mean, you know, again, I always look at the first four games of the season, uh, you know, maybe maybe eight with the Jets, and if it's not going well, you, you know, I'm sure you give another guy a chance. I mean, uh, you, know, you always try to win them early and try to see how it, how it goes, but uh, if it doesn't go that way, then you got to have to you have to find some of those pieces, and unfortunately when you do that, it might get even worse. So um, it's going to be a tough season. There's no doubt about it, but they'll win some games. They'll find a way in some of these games. I don't know where, who, what, when, but one of when you least expect it, you know, teams lose, and that's just how it works. So, uh, you know, uh, maybe it's maybe it's this week uh, at home, first the uh, home opener, so we'll find out. And unfortunately, the Little Giants and the Bad News Bears are not on the Jets' schedule this year, so it might be tough uh, to pull out a couple uh, on the Giants' side, on the, the big, big league Giants, who are looking little on the offensive line. Ben McAdoo is put throwing Eli Manning under the bus when he's having knucklehead play calls and running the ball with six minutes to go down by two touchdowns. I mean, what the Giants, man, this is a Super Bowl contender that is 0-2 with no blocking for Eli, and they are in deep trouble right now, Anthony. Yeah, I don't know if I saw Super Bowl. I, you know, I called their third preseason game against the Jets, and you know, I watched that off same offensive line do the same things in preseason. Uh, it's not going to get better, and it's not going to change. These guys are who they are. So, uh, you know, they got a lot of cute toys out there, but if you don't have the time or the running game around it to, to make those things work, it's going to be some frustrating games. And you know, you got you got personalities like Odell Beckham mm-hmm. and Brandon Marshall. These guys didn't go to New York to 
you know, to accept losing. So you're gonna you're gonna have some issues here if they can't turn this thing around. But don't you, you have know, to trade for a lineman like a Joe Thomas? Like, don't you have to make a move? They just can't survive. Eli's head will come off. I'll tell you, not too many teams are out there flaunting around their offensive linemen, and if they are, you're gonna have to give up the house. So, uh, you know, it's, they're hard to find. Uh, I'm shocked that it wasn't addressed uh, mm-hmm. in the off season. Uh, you know, there's always a, a couple solid guys out there that you can bring in at least to ease the load on your young players to develop. But in this environment, it's tough to find them, number one, and it's tough to get them better because of the new CBA. And I say new, but it's halfway through it. But it just changes the dynamic of the amount of time you get to coach and teach and and get these guys extra work and the way they practice and don't practice in pads throughout the week. It's virtually impossible to, to clay break away the clay of some of these raw linemen that have potential and get them better quickly. Yeah, and Ben McAdoo calling the plays and being a head coach. I don't know about you, but in your career, are you, are, I, I don't know if I should say, are you for or against a head coach also being an offensive coordinator? I feel like it just doesn't work out when a guy is trying to do two things at once. I think it works out if you have a strong defensive coordinator. I mean, Spags has been a head coach, and mm-hmm. you know he he can handle that side of the of the the team without McAdoo's help. Uh, and then you have some credibility, and you know you won some games. And I played with John Gruden, so you know he did it really good, and he was a really good you know coach and making it happen. But he had Monty Kiffin too, mm-hmm. who was uh, the defensive coordinator, where you just didn't have to worry about anything. So. It takes the weight off the job. Uh, you know, Dirk Cutter, same thing down here. I mean, uh, and Mike Smith's our coordinator, but the guy should, probably should have had two co- head coaching jobs that he turned down. So uh, that's how you make it work in that environment. But, you know, sometimes when you have it, like they do, they have spags, and it still doesn't work out. But unfortunately, when, you're, when your talent at certain positions are strong and it's not improving and it's getting worse and you're into the season, no, those things don't get better. They just you got to ride it out or make serious changes. And then when you make changes, now you have continuity problems, and that could lead to even more. So uh, hopefully they can figure something out. But as of right now, uh, I would say that the only thing they – I think the one thing you'll have to say with them they'll have to start doing is, you know, eliminating a weapon to help in the protection process. And, you know, right now they're not willing to do that. Uh, and I, they might have to go all in just to make that happen because, you know, listen, if you like it's time. He's as good as it gets. So, mm-hmm. is it? Can you can you win games with just three guys running routes instead of potentially four? I mean, I, to me, those are the questions that need to be answered, and I'm sure they'll make those changes as uh, heading into this week. And if I'm the Giants, I trade a first round pick for Joe Thomas or an offensive lineman. You have to go get someone. Give up if if that's considered the house. You give up a first round pick. Give up a second round pick because they are built to win right now if they could get offensive line help. And as you said, Eli, when he has blockers, he's good. He's won two Super Bowls. He's been in the playoffs several times. Uh, they need help. Anthony Beck, Anthony underscore Beck. Now you're on the call Saturday for, you said, NC State, Florida State, correct? Yes, uh, ABC, SPN, Mirror Game. So uh, most half of the country will have it on ABC. The other half will have it on the Deuce. And uh, great matchup here and. I think the world is trying to figure out, you know, can Florida State, the quarterback situation with Blackman, the true freshman, does he have enough to kind of maintain the ship? they got a really good defense. And North Carolina State's got about their entire defensive line will be drafted in the NFL next year. So uh, it'll be an interesting game to watch. I think it'll be close. It was close last year. And uh, let's see if Florida State can kind of 
get by with this new uh, freshman quarterback. And then you hop on a flight up north to the great old, <laughs> uh, the swamps of MetLife Stadium and uh, for a Jets-Dolphins pregame on ESPN Radio Sunday with the great Don LaGreca. Anthony, uh, anthony.com, don't forget that. Game face, 20% off. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Anytime, Jake. Take care, man. All right, man. Take care. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.